Thanks for tuning in to the Revival Tabernacle Podcast. Wherever you may be listening from, we hope that this message encourages you in the unwavering, unconditional love of Jesus Christ. Join us as we reach sinners, raise believers, and release leaders. Please enjoy the message from the RT Pulpit. John chapter 19, verse 28. It simply says, and I'll be reading from the NIV translation later, knowing that everything had now been finished. <laughs> that, that'll preach all by itself. But we're going to go on. And so that scripture would be fulfilled. Jesus said, I am thirsty. Skip over to the book of Matthew, Matthew 27, 45 through 49. From noon until 3 in the afternoon, darkness came over all the land. About 3 in the afternoon, Jesus cried out in a loud voice, Eli, Eli, lama shabethani, which means, my God, my God. Why have you forsaken me? When some of those standing there heard this, they said, he's calling Elijah. Immediately, one of them ran and got a sponge, and he filled it with, with wine vinegar, put it on a staff, and offered it to Jesus to drink. The rest said, now leave him alone. Let's see if Elijah comes to save him. I'm going to use for a title this morning, we're still in our Bars from the Cross series, I'm going to use for a title this morning, Speaking What Was Spoken. Speaking What Was Spoken. As you see, today we're going to get a two-for-one special, amen? <laughs> We're going to cover two of these words in one message, in one single sermon. And, uh, you know, we've been, we've been in this series, Bars from the Cross, really uh, examining uh, all of the phrases and the words of Jesus as he was there hanging on the cross for our sins. And I've been coming to you week after week with some bars. And y'all done got real quiet on me, so I figured this week I'd do a collab. Come on, Minister Carlos, come on and... Come on, I, this is called a feature, y'all, feature. This is called a feature. So, brother, Pastor Carlos is going to come, and he's going to give us a little flow. <laughs> Amen. All right. <laughs> All right. T'was the night before Easter when all through hell was a loud celebration with a foul, wretched smell. The demons were ecstatic as Satan was highly seated on a throne as he bragged of a man he claimed defeated. They cursed and sang, used his name in vain, and made it all so plain to see. As they boasted and bragged, Pastor, about what they had did to this man that they nailed to a tree. They shouted, ha, ha, the world is ours. We own the souls of men. 
We finally killed that ill-gotten son and covered his name in sin. Then Lucifer grinned, wicked and dread, as visions of Calvary danced in his head. With pride in his voice, he boasted the story which caused an uproar for more vainglory. When suddenly from above, there came a chatter. Satan jumped from his glory to see what was the matter. And what he saw then made him fall to his knees. The gates of hell was kicked open. Satan yelled, who took the keys? Before anyone could answer, there appeared this huge man with the keys in his fist, nail prints in his hands. The glory around him was piercing and bright. His face was ablaze with fire and light. The fury in his eyes said there was going to be no truce. Satan knew if Jesus got in, all hell would break loose. Then Satan, refusing to face a defeat, got up from his knees and stood to his feet. He wickedly hissed at Jesus. <sighs> and so did all the demons with him. He ordered a massive preemptive attack. You idiots, get him, get him. They charged in rage with hooks and swords, even tried to gang on him in groups of fours. But as soon as they attacked, the devil noticed quick what looked like a scene from a Bruce Lee flick. This horde of demons who were trained to attack were all getting stomped and beaten and smacked. This vigilante warrior was a sight to convey, trampling every principality that got in his way. Even when they double teamed him, still that didn't help much. Fiery darts, spears, and arrows, but he couldn't be touched, leaving a trail of bruised and battered demons realizing one thing, that they were no match for this all-powerful, soon-to-be resurrected king. After all of this, the devil looked clear through the house. Not a creature was standing, not even a mouse. With their tails between their legs, on their faces they fell. In the center stood Jesus with the keys to death and hell. He grabbed the devil by the ear pulled him close and said, look here, you will always be defeated. Just look around. You actually think you took my life? Boy, bye, I laid it down. Now all I came down here to do was set my people free, but you wanna do things the hard way, trying to inconvenience me. After saying this, he took the devil and slammed him to the floor and said, in my name, people on earth who will whoop you even more. He said, behold, I give them power to cast you out and make you flee. And if you lay one hand on them, you will answer to me. He took the key, set his people free as he ascended into the night. He said, I came to bring salvation to all and to all eternal life. Come on, let's give it up for him. Give it up for him. Give it up for him. Minister Carlos is uh, brilliant and very active in this church and in this community. Uh, as a matter of fact, he is 
starting this Thursday. Somebody say this Thursday. He's kicking off a bi-weekly Bible study and meeting at the Detroit Rescue Mission Homeless Veterans Transitional Housing Facility right here in Highland Park. Amen. Amen. Come on and give him a hand. And on those off Thursdays, he's holding a men's small group meeting held right there in his home, right there at on California Street in Highland Park. I'm just so excited and so proud of all that Minister Carlos and Sarah Wyndham are doing for this community. Amen. 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 And more, more to come. I pray for them daily. More to come about how we can, how we will be further supporting them. Um, and just, I tell you, I'm just, I'm just excited. I, I don't, I don't know. Thank you. One more time for Minister Carlos Wyndham. Amen. For sharing with us. That's the feature on my Purple Church mixtape. Y'all ain't feeling me. Y'all ain't feeling me. I'm going to release that boy in a minute. So good to see my friend, Dr. Eddie Connor in the house. Give my, give, give my friend, come on, stand so they can see you. Dr. Eddie Connor, Connor. He's an educator just with an amazing testimony how God has healed him from cancer. And uh, I tell you, he, and he is somebody's preacher. He snuck in on his brother today. I praise God for him. Thank God for you. Amen. Uh, let me get right to the principal point. So good to see my friend, Brother Danny Warmack. We're going to be praying for him at the end of the service. He's going back in for another surgery, and I pray this is going to be the last surgery. I say we're going to pray this is going to be the last surgery. If it's needed, and, and he's going in Tuesday morning for, for another procedure, but we're just thanking God just for how he's touching and healing his body and bringing him complete restoration. Amen? Amen. Amen. Let me get right to the principal point. Here's the big point, main idea for the message. On the cross, Jesus showed his humanity and his vulnerability when he cried out, I am thirsty, and when he also cried out, my God, my God. Why have you forsaken me? I want us to take a little bit of a scriptorial uh, journey through the scripture. And we're going to go back to the Old Testament. I want to show you something in the Old Testament. If you can, go to the book of Psalm, Psalm chapter 22. I want to show us just a couple of things before we get into it, just to kind of lay a little bit of a foundational groundwork for where it is that we're going to be going, but I do want you to see something because I think it's very relative to what it is that we have before us today. I want to just highlight a few verses here in Psalm 22. Look at verse 1. <clears throat> verse 1 in Psalm 22, this is, a, this is David speaking, and he starts off by saying, now watch this, by the help of the Holy Spirit, and he begins to speak prophetically the last words of Christ. Look at this. Psalm 22. We know Psalm 23, but let's go back one chapter, Psalm 22. He says, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Why are you so far from helping me? And from the words of my groaning. Oh, my God, I cry in the daytime, but you do not hear. And in the night season, and am not silent. But you are holy. Enthroned in the praises of Israel. Skip down to verse 15. We see 
where Jesus began to speak from verse 1, but I think we can also extract from verse 15. Look at verse 15. It says, my strength is dried up like a post red, and my tongue clings to the roof of my jaws. You have brought me to the dust of the earth. Sounds like he's thirsty, y'all. Skip over in the book of Psalms. Stay right there in the book. Let's flip over to verse to, to chapter 69. Chapter 69, verse 21. Psalm 69, verse 21. It reads, They also gave me gall for my food, and for my thirst they gave me vinegar to drink. I think it's important for us to really understand as we go through this series, Bars from the Cross, and we're examining a little bit closely the, the phrases, the words that Jesus began to speak as he's there on the cross. As I painted the picture for us back in week one, the, just the extreme difficulty that is brought about by crucifixion and what the body goes through in the midst of crucifixion. Jesus' cry of thirst in John 19 and 28, I would say it is both a nod to prophetic fulfillment that we just saw here in Psalm 22 and 15 and also in Psalm 69 and 21. But I think we have to, we cannot ignore that it is also an authentic statement of physical distress. I've been guilty, and I've, I've, I've heard other people, and, and, and there's nothing wrong with kind of just drawing on, on, on various perspectives of theology, but I think that, that at some time we got to stop just trying to over-spiritualize things and just know that this man was thirsty. I mean, he was hanging on a cross, and he had been there for quite a bit of time, and, his, and, and, and it was hard for him, even though, he could, even though he could inhale, it was hard for him to try to put that breath back out. And so his, his, his muscles were cramping and spasming, and all these various type of things were happening as he began to sp sporadically try to lift himself up just to try to get breath into his body. And, 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 and in those moments, I just happened to think that, man, all that he was going through through, he was thirsty. I mean, let's just be real. Just like little Ray, he's thirsty. <laughs> I mean, think about it. His, he was physically thirsty. I mean, profuse bleeding, just like when someone sweats profusely, it dehydrates the body and causes intense thirst. He was thirsty. I would love to spiritualize this. And I'm sure that during my 20 years of, of preaching the gospel, I probably have at some point in time. But we have to remember that Jesus' earthly body was just like ours. And he was fully man and fully God. 
He didn't turn on some superhuman powers and turn on a switch just to be able to endure the cross. He was thirsty. And he suffered, watch this, as any man or woman would suffer. He suffered as any person would suffer. But watch this, and don't miss this because this is important. But he did also as the Son of God. I think we need to pause for a moment and just bring to our remembrance uh, that even every born-again believer, as well as those of you in here who may be thinking about becoming a born-again believer, you will go through hardship. But when you do, please remember that you are going through as a child of God. Come on, somebody. Come on, talk back to me. As, and greater is he that is within us than he that is in the world. And we can go through what it is that we're going through, but we must remember that when we're going through, that we're going through as a child of God. And the beauty about going through as a child of God is that when we go through knowing that we are his child, he will never, ever leave us alone. He will never leave us alone. But his cry for thirst wasn't the only expression of his humanity. His, Jesus' expression of feeling alone that we see in Matthew 27, 45 through 49, is also a manifestation of his humanness and vulnerability. Oh, come on, come on, come on, come on, come on. Jesus' cry of desolation, watch this, when he says, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Listen to me good. It doesn't mean, why have you left me forever? It, it does not mean, why have you left me forever? See, Jesus knew that he was going to be leaving this world. Jesus also knew that he was going to the Father. Jesus knew that he would rise again. And Jesus also knew and was very aware that he was dying for our sins. Jesus knew the scriptures of his own, and he knew well the context of Psalm 22. But watch this, in quoting the psalm, he's quoting a cry of desolation that is also implicit in the context and an unremitting faith that in God he will also ultimately deliver him. Because when you begin to read the Psalm 22 in its entirety, you, re you recognize that yes, even though David began to cry out in frustration, why have you forsaken me? Why are the words of, 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 of my heart falling, seeming to fall on deaf ears? God will... He, he, he also begins, once he gets down further into the chapter, he begins to remit the fact that, God, I know that you will deliver me. And sometimes, yes, even in our most darkest moments, even in our frustration time periods, yes, we will speak out of our frustration and we will speak out of our emotions at time. But we must also remember that God is a God who will deliver us in our time of trouble. He will deliver you. But nevertheless, it remains a very real cry of 
anguish because the suffering has gone on way too long and there doesn't seem to be any end in sight. I feel like preaching now. See, there are some theologians that will debate if the father actually left Jesus alone in the moment that he became the perpetuation for our sin on the cross. But whether the father completely turned his presence away or not, let me just tell you something. It is clear and evident that Jesus felt this way. Have you ever said something based on the way that you feel? Y'all going to be real quiet on me today, but that's all right. Have you ever said to someone, I'm sure that's not what you meant, but it's how you made me feel? Because our feelings are important. Our feelings matter. But we must understand that we are thankful today that we do not have a high priest who cannot be touched by the infirmity, by the feeling of our infirmities. In other words, what it is that we go through, he understands. He understands because he went through it. But what we must also understand is that he no longer is in an understanding, but he is in an overstanding mode. And so when God, we serve a God who overstands, he looks over our situation and sees what it is that we go through. And he allows us to go through just so much. But we know that when we get to a point where we can't take it anymore, God himself will deliver us from what it is that we are in. And what I love about Jesus is even through what he was feeling, and even though what he was feeling was real, his reply or his words, watch this and don't miss this, came based on the word of God. His response about what he was feeling and what he was dealing with came from what was already spoken. In other words, he was speaking what was spoken. His cry from this psalm is both the knowledge of the prophetic nature of his deity as well as authentic emotional position that he was in. And today, we as believers can be encouraged that Jesus, too, knows what it is like to feel like God is far away from us. And he shows us what to do in our darkest moments. Can I tell you about what we should do in our darkest moments? We should cry out to God in prayer and lean upon God's word for what to say. Y'all still don't quite know when to shout. We ought to cry out to God in prayer. And we have to lean on his word for what to say to him. See, let me tell you something. See, this, this is how I learned how to pray, was praying the word. This is how my daddy taught us how to pray. 
He said, hey, hey, give God back his word. I, I, funny story. True story, but kind of humorous. When we first came to this church, and, and I've, I've, I've told y'all, when we first came here, um, you know, I came kicking and screaming. I, <laughs> Courtney drug me into this house, and I, I, you know, I just sometimes that's a, well, that's a word too. You got to listen to your wife. They will lead you into your destiny. Come on, brothers. Come on, men. But listen, now, now see, you know what? See, you're trying to get me, trying to get me in trouble. All right, listen. But what you must understand is, I remember, I remember. He doesn't even know this, but I remember, I remember coming here, and I obviously we we were kind of just, you know, here, and we were in the worship, and you know. I remember, I remember, they, you know, the, when it was time for, for prayer, and, and you know, and there was nothing wrong with the prayer. It was, it was just, it, would, it just wasn't what I was used to. Just, you know, oh dear God, we, we love you and we appreciate you. And I was like, man, I, I'm not gonna ever get to hear somebody praying like, like I was used to hearing praying. Y'all know what I'm talking about, y'all. Then all of a sudden, one Sunday morning, they, they let Deacon Mark Bryan get the microphone. And you talk about somebody that prays the word. Come here, Deacon Mark. Come, come, come. Come here real quick, Deacon Mark. Come on, come on, come on, come on, come on. And I mean, when this man got done praying, I mean, he, he, he stood there flat-footed and began to pray the word. Deacon Mark, just give us, come on, just begin to pray the word. Pray the word. Pray the word right in the middle of the message. Pray the word. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Psalms chapter 1. Blessed is the man that walk not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor stand in the way of sinners, nor sit in the seat of the scornful. But his delight is in the law of the Lord, and in his law doeth he meditate day and night. He shall be like a tree planted by the rivers of water. He shall bring forth his fruit in his season. His leaf shall not wither, and everything he does shall prosper. But the ungodly are not so, but they're like the chaff that the wind drives away. <clears throat> I got a little, still a little bit in my chest. but I will bless the Lord at all times. His praise shall continually be in my mouth. My soul shall make her boast in the Lord, and the humble shall hear thereof and be glad. Oh, magnify the Lord with me, and let us exalt his name forever. Titus 3 and 5. I mean, you have to know what the word of God said. David said in Psalms 119 and verse 9, Wherewithal will a young man keep his ways pure, but by taking heed of thy word. And he said in Psalms 119 and verse 11, Thy word, O Lord, have I hid in my heart, that I might not sin against thee. He said in Isaiah 26 and 3, Thou will keep them in perfect peace, whose mind has stayed on thee because he trusteth in thee. You have to know what the word of God said. See, I was sinking deep in sin, far from the peaceful shore. But the master of the sea, he heard my despairing cry. And from the water, he lifted me and now saith am I nigh. And we know that love lifts us. It's his love, his agape love, his unfailing love. It's his love that lifts us every morning. It's his new mercies every morning. And we have to know what the word of God says for us, Lord. Give us this day our daily bread. 
We walk by faith and not by sight. We have to know what the word of God says for yourself. You have to pick up your cross daily and follow me daily. Daily. Seek the Lord while he may be found and call on him while he's near. When he got done praying, I said, well, I can stay at this church. Because he was praying the word of God. You got to know how to get reminded. The scriptures even tell us to remind God of his word. Watch this. Not that he's forgotten his word, but we speak it for our benefit so that we can be refreshed and restored and renewed in our mind knowing what it is that he has said about us and said concerning us. If we have sickness in our body, we must always remember that he was bruised for our transgression. He was wounded for our iniquities, and the chastisement of our peace was upon him, and with his stripes we were healed. Your healing belongs to you, and guess what? That's his word. If you need more on the healing of God, let me just tell you something. You can know that healing is the children's bread, and it's for you. And for those of us who are willing and obedient, we will eat the good of the land. We must understand that while we're going through, and though it may not seem like our deliverance is coming, I remember an old mother who's here today, Mother Mary Fox. She would oftentimes declare that his grace is sufficient for me. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Mother Fox uh, suffered a stroke. Mother Fox, what year was it that you had your stroke? August 14, see, she knows it. August 14, 1968. And she began to go before the Lord, asking God. Now watch this. Asking God, God, I know you're a healer. I know you're a deliverer. I know you're a way maker. So God, take this from me. And the word that God gave her was, my grace is sufficient for you. And I'll admit, I began to struggle with this because I would always look in the scripture and have to reconcile my faith and say, well, God, just heal her. And then, my, then I began to do some research. <laughs> and this came to me clear, probably, Mother Fox, probably about a year or so ago when my daddy went through what he was going through. And, and, and I began to read all the statistics. And they were saying how most people who have a stroke, from that time until the time that they transition, it's usually about 10 years. I don't know if y'all heard what she said, but she had her stroke back in August 14, 1968. I said, um, August 14, 1968. What's today's date, Minister Shiana? Uh-huh. 
This is, oh, so this is 2019. All right, so I'm a little slow. Let me see. All right, 68, 78, 88, 98, 08, 18. That's 50, that's over 50 years. Now, see, 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 some some of us are still like, yeah, but you you know, yeah, yeah, but she's still confined. Let Let me just tell you something. When God begins to heal you, and when God begins to extend his grace to you, it comes in all type of ways. Some of us are still looking for God to do it in a specific way. When God says, I'm already doing it in another kind of way. The woman with the issue of blood, let me tell you something. The miracle wasn't so much that when Jesus, that when she touched his garment after she had been sick for 12 long years, that when she touched his garment, her issue dried up. The miracle really was the fact of this, that she had been bleeding for 12 years and didn't die. See, some of us miss the fact that the way God is blessing you is he's managing you in the midst of your crisis. He's managing you in the midst of your sickness. He's managing you in the midst of your turmoil. And you're looking for God to just completely deliver. He says, I'm already giving you a miracle testimony because you're still here. Come on now. I was experiencing some internal bleeding just for a short while and passed out. She was bleeding for 12 years and God kept her. She had a stroke over 50 years ago and she's still here (laughs) because his grace Some of us need to understand, and we may feel like even in the midst of our situation, God, where are you? Why have you forsaken me? And he's, and he, and God is standing right there like, you don't even understand. What you're going through could have been worse. Uh, It should have been worse. But his grace, (laughs) somebody ought to shout back at me today. If it wasn't for the grace of God, and I'm done. If it wasn't for the grace of God, if it wasn't for his unmerited favor upon our life. Let me give you the point to practice. Here's the point to practice. Here's what we got. Here's our practice point. Just like Jesus did, we too can draw near to God when he feels far away by connecting to him through his word. So then the question becomes, how do we connect to him through his word? The answer is simple. Read it. Just like I oftentimes say, most of or the greatest travesty in the body of Christ is not prayers that go unanswered, but it's prayers that go unasked. 
I equally feel as important that this is true. Most times, this Bible is the most misunderstood book in all of America or in all the world simply because people that really don't understand it are the people that don't read it. I believe that just like Jesus showed us in his toughest moment in life as he was going through the death on the cross through crucifixion and even though he was what he was feeling was real he continued to speak what was spoken he continued to speak the word we've often done it we've we came through 40 days some of us did 21 days of prayer and fasting and reading of god's word and that's great but i think we often we have to always be reminded about how we can find those on ramps those on ramps of just getting back into the practice of reading God's word, knowing what this word says about us. I came across this some years ago, and the Holy Spirit brought it back to my remembrance and said, pull out Project, 3, Project 345. Project 345. What is Project 345? It, it, it's, it's a concept. It's very simple, and, and I, I put it there for you, and I'll just read it for you here, and if you don't have a half sheet, be sure you get one. But Project 345 is simple. It's a simple and effective way to read the entire New Testament in one year. The plan invo involves reading one chapter per day, five days a week, and uses the weekends to catch up if you happen to miss, miss any days. The plan was named for the average of the three minutes and 45 seconds that it takes to read one New Testament chapter. Obviously, this time will vary due to individual reading rates, chapter lengths, and et cetera, but you get the point. And the important part is it's never too late to start today. Some of us may say, well, well, we should have got this at the beginning of the year, Pastor. You're going to go. Listen. <laughs> Listen to me. Your year can start today. <laughs> You can start right now going through the word of God. Thy word is a lamp unto your feet. It's a light to your path. When you need direction or when you're going through, 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 through muddy waters, the word will make it to where your feet won't slip. What do you say when, when you're in moments of great temptation? This is what you say. There is no temptation given to man except that which is common. But God is faithful. Who wherewith the temptation will always provide a way of escape. And then you start looking for your way out. Like my granddaddy would say, you start looking for that trap door. <laughs> When you're in that moment of despair, 
Your own parents won't even listen to you. You can pull from the word of God. When my mother and my father forsake me, then the Lord (laughs) will take me up. When you're in that place where you find yourself being uh, 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 discontent, you have a holy dissatisfaction for where you are because you know God has more for you. You can realize and remember in his word what it says in right context. It says, hey, though I may be in this place, I can do all things through Christ that gives me the strength to do it. Because I know that where I am is not my final resting place. It's just a place where I'm passing through. Maybe you feel like the enemy is on your track and that there is just death and destruction all around you. You can say like David said, yea, though I go through the valley of the shadow of death, I don't have anything to fear. Why? Because you're with me. Come on, how many know he's with you today? Come on, he's with you today. God is with you today. You too can rest assured that in the midst of what you're going through, one word that's kept Mary Fox all over 50 years after having her stroke is that you got to remember that his grace is sufficient. The people in your crew that have died for less. Oh, come on here, somebody. Come on, come on, come on, come on, come on. Our God is able. He's not just a giver of life, but he's the sustainer of life. And this word is great medicine for you. Come on, stand to your feet. We got to get out of here. What's the takeaway from this today? Takeaway is simply this. What you're feeling is very real. (laughs) And it's all right to feel it. But what comes out of your mouth must be the word of God. Hallelujah. You got to learn how to speak what has been spoken. Everyone bow your heads. Maybe you're in this place. This is a very important time frame. Maybe you're in this place and you say, Pastor Devin, I, I know. I hear everything that you're saying, but I just need to kind of get step one down. I, I, need to, I need to trust him. I need to take him at his word. I need to trust him with my life. I need to give him a heart. He gave his all for us. So why not you give your all to him? If you're in this place and you've never accepted Christ into your heart, because of this thought, because of that thought, let me just tell you this. Eternity is too long to be wrong. That's just a long time. That's just just too long to just be on the wrong side of the fence on this. Let me just tell you something. God gave his life. He he gave his only begotten son that whoever believes in him should never perish, but they'll have everlasting life. 
today. Everlasting life can be yours today. It can be yours in this very moment simply by accepting. First, you got to just admit. Admit that you're a sinner in need of a Savior. Then you got to just believe. Believe that God sent his son Jesus to die on the cross for our sins and that he rose again in three days. And then you must just simply confess. What are you confessing? You're simply confessing that Jesus is Lord. He's Lord. And you're confessing that now so that you won't be in that category of people that confess it because every, every knee will bow and every tongue will confess. But some people, unfortunately, will confess a little too late. God says, I want to give, give you that opportunity to do it now. And if you're in this place and you said, I want to give Jesus my heart. I want to trust him with my heart. I want to trust him with my life. If you're in this place and that's your testimony, listen, I want you not to even think about it. No one's here to embarrass you. But while every head is bowed and every eye is closed, I want you simply just to lift your hand at the count of three to just say, I'm ready to give Jesus my life. Don't wrestle with this thought. Don't wrestle with this idea. Don't wrestle with this notion. Know that he is Lord and he is ready to become your Lord in this place and you say, I'm ready to give my heart to Jesus. Come on, on the count of three, just simply lift your hand. One, two, three. Lift your hand right where you stand or right where you sit. If you're in this place and you say, I'm ready to give my heart to the Lord. I'm ready to trust him until I die. And even after, I believe that he is going to take me to that place that he's prepared for me. He's preparing a place but that prepared place is for prepared people. You don't have to get your life together to come to him. That defeats the purpose. That's like trying to clean your house knowing that you got a maid coming. You try to do it because you're embarrassed. <laughs> Jesus said, listen, don't worry about it. There is no shame. Paul says it like this. There is therefore now no condemnation <laughs> to those who are in Christ Jesus. And when you accept him in your heart, he, he, he comes in you, and you become in him. We thank God. God, I pray that you would continue to do the work that only your Holy Spirit can do, and that's drawing us nearer to you. Through your love, in your kindness, God, continue drawing your people. We, your people, God. We thank you today. And we honor you. And we take you at your word. And we believe that you are always with us. Even though at times we may feel as though, God, that you have left us, God, we know that you're right there. The fact that we're still here, the fact that we're still breathing is a testament, God, that you are with us. And we thank you for being with us. Thank you for your word, the promise of your word that declares that you will never leave us, nor will you forsake us, but that you will be with us always, even to the very end. Thank you today. Come on, someone just lift your voice and tell them thank you. Come on, tell them thank you today. Tell them thank you today. Thanks for tuning in to the Revival Tabernacle Podcast. Wherever you may be listening from, we hope that this message encourages you in the unwavering, unconditional love of Jesus Christ. Join us 
as we reach sinners, raise believers, and release leaders. Please enjoy the message from the RT Pulpit.